Hey folks, another busy week of politically charged legal news making the headlines. On Monday, the Supreme Court rejected former President Trump's efforts to shield his tax returns from the Manhattan DA, Cy Vance, and the grand jury. Meanwhile, Judge Merrick Garland, President Biden's nominee for attorney general, testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee in his confirmation hearing, and he gave us a glimpse at how he plans to oversee the Department of Justice. And Mississippi Congressman Benny Thompson sued Trump, Rudy Giuliani, and two white supremacist groups for their roles in the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. Ann Milgram and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com insider. That's cafe.com insider. College students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com student and sign up at a lower rate. Again, that's cafe.com student. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. So lots of things have gone on. Merrick Garland's confirmation hearing was yesterday, Monday, continues today with witnesses. But before we get to that, there was other breaking news, totally not unexpected, which is another way of saying totally expected, I guess. The Supreme Court decided that it was no longer going to delay letting Cy Vance, the DA in Manhattan, get those tax records and financial documents from Donald Trump's accountants, Mazars. What did you make of the um, the lengthy opinion? It went on for, how, how long was the opinion again? <laughs> it's one sentence, right? One sentence. Oh. One sentence. What does that tell you about the merits? Well, what's interesting about it, and, and what it basically said, Trump versus Vance, said the application for a stay presented to Justice Breyer and referred to the court is denied. Basically, that is what I think we all would have expected. And just to go back for a minute on this, this is the Manhattan DA investigation. It's been going on now for more than 18 months. It's been, this litigation has gone on for quite some time. And and essentially, the Manhattan DA issued a subpoena to Mazars, which had been the accounting firm of Donald Trump, and they were seeking copies of Donald Trump's taxes, tax documents from the Trump organization. And from what we understand, also some of the underlying, and this is from what's been publicly reported, we have no inside knowledge of this, but it's been reported they were also looking for the sort of business records that people use to prepare tax documents, also information on insurance that the Trump organization had gotten, loans that they had gotten, and also the communications between the Trump organization and Mazars as they were as they were preparing taxes and, and tax returns. And so the other piece, just to remind folks, is that initially the reporting had said that the Manhattan DA was investigating the payments to Stormy Daniels by Donald Trump when he was a presidential candidate back in 2016. And remember, Michael Cohen was involved and was charged in Southern District related to that. And Trump was listed as, I think, individual number one, was not charged with that. But then it expanded into this conversation that related to whether or not Trump and the Trump organization had been inflating how many assets they had in order to basically get better loans, to get insurance, but deflating the amount of money that the company was making when it came for taxes so that they could pay less taxes. And and there are Very other- Very clever, Anne, right? Yes. there And there are <laughs> other potential things in the taxes. Of, you know, there's potential allegations of tax fraud and bank fraud and insurance fraud, but it, a lot of it really relates to these sort of 
two questions, Trump's involvement in paying Stormy Daniels and another woman um, off prior to the 2016 election, and then the question of the Trump organization and what they were doing in terms of getting loans and insurance and, and, and whatnot. Right. And for the reminder to folks, this litigation was largely dealt with in a prior opinion from Justice Roberts, the Chief Justice, in a 7-2 to two opinion where the Roberts court took great issue with the very, very broad assertion of immunity and privilege that was being made by the, the former president's lawyers. And so you knew this was going to come down the pike this way. And lots of people have been asking the question, why has this been lingering for so many months since October? So the Supreme Court decided you don't have these broad claims of immunity, as you have argued. It still goes back to the lower court for the president to be able to make the same kinds of arguments that regular people make. And he made some of those arguments saying, the subpoenas were overbroad. They were asking for too much. It was a fishing expedition, which is a more mundane you know, argument against enforcement of the subpoenas. Those fell on deaf ears, and that's why it went back up to the Supreme Court again. And the speculation is the Supreme Court justices were somewhat sensitive to what was going on politically, namely the election. Didn't want to throw a monkey wrench into things in the lead up to the election. And then after that, there was the whole business of challenging the Impeachment. election. Yeah. Uh, well, in between. Remember, there was, that, there was that thing in between. And obviously, impeachment is related to that. And then finally, once the election was over, Donald Trump left office, impeachment was over with the good little buffer. They saw no reason to delay. That that I, that sounds like a reasonable explanation to me. I think it sounds like a reasonable explanation, too. I mean, this is over four months for something that I think all of the Supreme Court watchers sort of predicted would happen. And, and just to sort of make sure folks understand the first litigation in Trump v. Vance that you talked about, the 7-2 ruling, that was the really substantive legal opinion. This was a challenge that we see brought day in and day out in courts across the United States by defense lawyers who say that subpoena is too broad, we don't want to answer it, or we want the subpoena to be less broad, to be sort of more specific. And that's a pretty common routine argument that that defense lawyers make. And so there had already been a series, Judge Marrero, who's the federal judge who's been overseeing this litigation in Manhattan, he had basically made rulings that Cy Vance was not acting in bad faith. He had he had seen the requests. He understood what the DA's office was looking for. Obviously, he has he has access to the subpoena. We we haven't seen that, but he he'd made a series of rulings essentially that it was consistent with with what would be acceptable for the grand jury. And so the Second Circuit affirmed that. And so really, for the Supreme Court to have gotten involved in that would have been very odd, I think. And and really, grand juries have a lot of latitude to investigate potential criminal conduct. And so- Yeah, it was a ridiculous- And to issue subpoenas, yeah. yeah. It was a ridiculous argument, ridiculous delay tactic. And by the way, one of the reasons you know this was widely expected, and particularly it was expected by the DA's office itself, is that in recent weeks, they've taken a couple, you know, some steps showing that they were going to have a sustained- long-term investigation and possible prosecution of the president and people around him. One of those was already reported some time ago. They hired a forensic accounting firm, FTI, that's well-known in legal circles. And you don't do that unless you think you're going to have a long-term investigation and perhaps prosecution. And then the other news that broke in the last few days, Cy Vance, even though he has a full office of well-credentialed and smart assistant district attorneys, he took on a special assistant district attorney, a gentleman by the name of Mark Pomerantz, to... I guess, be installed to oversee or at least be an important part of, a key part of this Trump investigation. Preet, we have a tweet from at Seattle Susie Q who asks, 
Would love to know your thinking on the Pomerantz hiring. Thanks. Mark Pomerantz is someone who I've known for a long time, is very, very well known in legal circles in New York, was in the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, my old office, for two tours of duty. Once as an AUSA who rose up to be the Chief of Appeals, and then later Mary Jo White appointed him to be the Chief of the Criminal Division, which is one of the top positions in the office. Longtime partner at Paul Weiss. Was he the Chief of the Criminal Division when you were there? He was not. Uh, he was not. He, I, I think I just missed him. I joined in 2000. I think he was there from 97 and 99. By the way, I should also say, and I hope this is not revealing something confidential, I know Mark Pomerantz to be a listener of at least the Stay Tuned podcast, but I believe, I, I think maybe also the Insider podcast. And if he's not, he should be. Now we'll, now we'll know if he tells you. <laughs> I want to talk both about FTI, the forensic accounting firm, and Pomerantz. Let's start with Pomerantz since we're there. I mean, he's he's very well regarded in legal circles. Why do you, why do you think Cy did it? You know, it's an interesting question. I have a theory. You know, it's not something we ever did. I never appointed someone from outside the office. I figured, you know, we have a great office. We have a lot of people who are seasoned in different disciplines. And you do the job from within. Now, there's a continuity issue in the Cy Vance situation. Um, many people not from New York may not realize that the election for the next Manhattan DA is taking place this November. The primary is in a few months. Cy Vance has not announced that he's retiring, but he's also not announced that he's running. And there's a huge slate of folks, many of whom you and I know, and one of whom I've endorsed, Alvin Bragg, who are likely going to be, one of them is likely going to be the new district attorney come next January. And whether or not there's an indictment of the president in connection with this stuff, it likely won't be resolved. And so, you know, maybe part of the reason is to sort of secure some continuity over that investigation. But it it is an unusual thing to bring someone in from the outside. What do you think? So you've just said essentially what I what I believe, and I'll sort of add a couple things to that. But it's been remarkable to me that in the media coverage of this, I think folks have not sort of called this what it is, which is a special prosecutor brought in to essentially politically insulate this case. And that's what this is, to basically be able to say, regardless of who the next district attorney is, and and look, Cy Vance has not said that he's not running for re-election, but if you look at financials, he was a prolific fundraiser. He's serving his third term. And every time he's run, he's raised a, a serious amount of money. And I think right now he has like four thousand, three or four thousand dollars in the bank. So I think the sort <laughs> yeah. of tea, the people who are reading tea leaves are not are not reading that hard. So I assume he's not running. And again, he hasn't said that. And I understand why he wouldn't make that public announcement, particularly as he's in the middle of all these sensitive things. But I anticipate that this is something I would actually think to do if I were sitting in his his shoes, which is okay. Maybe he sits in that chair while there's an indictment, but cases take a long time to go to trial. We've already seen Donald Trump's attorneys who are good lawyers. They will litigate every single ounce of this. And so the idea of having someone who comes in and who has such a well-regarded public reputation, I mean, frankly, I think Pomerantz in legal circles is better known than any of the DA candidates at this moment in time. That's not to say that, you know, whoever gets elected DA won't obviously become well-known overnight, but but Mark Pomerantz has an excellent reputation and and really is is a person of some standing. And so I think that the idea is to sort of politically, and I don't I don't mean politically as in somebody's definitely going to try to you know, harm and investigation, but it just, it gives a level of continuity, as you said, and just sort of insulates the investigation with someone who's well-regarded, who has a lot of experience as a federal prosecutor, has done complex white-collar cases. Um, I want to just note this to you. 
The Manhattan DA's office is excellent on on complex white-collar cases. And I know you know this from your perch as the U.S. attorney in the Southern District, but they they do big cases. And so I think it's less thinking that they need the outside expertise than it is basically putting someone in of some stature who has a very strong reputation, who who also obviously has the expertise. But it it sort of adds something that no matter what happens with Cy Vance, Cy Vance can turn and say, look, I know the investigation is in good hands and will continue to be. And so that's why I think he did it. Just to be clear, you you mentioned this is kind of an analog to a special prosecutor. We should be clear that, at least to my knowledge, there's no statutory mechanism or or regulation or rule that is in play here under which Mark Pomerantz was appointed. And and Cy Vance at any moment, right, or the next DA at any moment can remove him from the position. There's no protection. Right. I agree with that. And I and I sort of use that term just as an analogous way for people to understand and think about this. Like, Mark Pomerantz hasn't been hired as an assistant DA, from what I can tell. He's been—and and the DA's office does do this sometimes. They'll sort of swear someone in as a special to gain assistance or to gain expertise in an area. Um, I agree with you that Cy Vance could at any point sort of say, okay, Mark Pomerantz is gone. But it's really worth pointing out that He's doing this to sort of have someone whose reputation and stature sort of goes beyond the office and sort of goes beyond the politics of of a DA election. And and also, I think he wants to send the message. And and the, the allegations have already been made by Donald Trump's lawyers that this is a political witch hunt. I mean, all the sort of things we saw with the Mueller investigation as well. You know, he said this. there's never been a Donald Trump has said there's never been a more political investigation. And so I think in some ways, Sy is basically putting someone in. He's trying to insulate it from the politics of going through a DA's race as well. I wonder if, do you think that um, Letitia James, the New York State Attorney General, who is also overseeing some investigations of President Trump and his businesses and certainly his charities, that she would have done well to appoint someone from the outside for the same reasons? So it's interesting. I mean, most of her work is civil, I believe, at this moment in time. And again, the New York State AG has limited criminal jurisdiction. So they do have criminal jurisdiction under the Martin Act for financial crimes. They have some official misconduct authority to investigate police shootings, but but their, their jurisdiction is limited. So I think a lot of it is civil. But to your point, I think that uh, it really is an interesting question because James particularly, she ran on a platform of investigating Donald Trump. And then it does feed into the narrative that Donald Trump will have if he's you know, if a case is brought against him, whether it's civilly or criminally by the state AG, that, you know, this has always been been partisan. That being said, I have a lot of confidence in both of these offices to do investigations. And and look, here's here's why I'm not so sure that that's necessary. I, I think it's the right decision for Cy Vance, because I think oh, with the specter of a election coming up, within months of a primary where I think it'll be clear soon that he isn't running. I think it makes a lot of sense to sort of pave this path. But for just a normal AG or a normal DA, I don't think it makes sense to do it. And and one of the arguments against doing it is that the thing about cases that you and I know and I think really appreciate is that they're public, is that if if somebody files a civil suit against you or somebody files a, you know, a, the grand jury issues an indictment, that's public. And those cases are tried in public. And so whether or not, you know, the the jury and the public get to look at whether or not there's sufficient evidence, whether it appears to be a biased or politically motivated prosecution. And certainly Donald Trump and his lawyers will have the opportunity to argue in a court of law if they think something unfair or untoward has happened. But I don't think as a normal course that 
you know, every AG who is, and and look, I'm sure there are Republican AGs right now who are out there, don't you think, who are out there basically figuring out how to, how to sue Joe Biden and the Biden administration? Like, and again, many of them may have run as being opposed to, or or may run being opposed to some of the Biden administration's um, actions. That, that shouldn't disqualify you, I think. What do you think? No, I, I don't think it should. Um, a couple of final points um, on this Manhattan DA case, potential case, that I think people know, but we want to emphasize, just because the grand jury materials will be turned over basically immediately to the DA's office doesn't mean we will get to see them. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.